In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about butt-crack puzzle pieces, NASA college, a dick-swinging puzzle hero, and not dyeing your pubic hair. In our discussion of There's Someone Inside Your House, the book and the movie by Stephanie Perkins. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. And today we're going to discuss There's Someone Inside Your House by Stephanie Perkins. That's not a threat at all. No, not at all. Not a threat. You're totally safe, I swear. <laughs> Legal disclaimer. <laughs> Speaking of... Speaking of disclaimers, this is the standard one. If you haven't read this book... Or watched the movie, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened or watched and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book or watch the movie, then come back. If you haven't done this, we want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just love us so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Yay! Legal <laughs> disclaimer with standard disclaimer. <laughs> yes, it's a comma. We are not responsible for anything. No, 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 not at all. <laughs> We're not inside your house at all. No. We are. We are. We're inside your ears for sure. <laughs> what is happening right now? We haven't had enough sleep. <laughs> Hooray. We've both worked all day long. Hooray. <laughs> Welcome to the madhouse. <laughs> Let's talk Sasha Horror. Yay. Ooh, fave. My favorite. Yeah. Do we need to give trigger warnings? There, there is one in the summary. I did yeah, put one in the summary. Yeah, let's go ahead and announce it right now, though. There's some, you know, lots of murder. Yeah. First off. There's some... Graphic. Graphic. Yeah, there's um some substance abuse. Abuse? Regular it's abuse. Yeah. Parent death. Yeah. yeah. Hazing. Oh, the hazing's the worst. That's when the trigger warning happens in the summary as well, because that is... Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of think a lot of our listeners are okay with the depiction of the horror scenes. Yeah. And depictions of, you know, the graphic murders, because... Who doesn't love a graphic... Yeah, who doesn't love a graphic murder? <laughs> Yeah, but the hazing scene will have a separate trigger warning as it comes up for people who uh, want to skip forward it. a little bit. Yeah. It's not very long that we have in there, so you can just skip forward a few seconds when we get to that part. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I don't know, though. Mm, no, let's have some background information, and then I'm going to give you a thought. Oh, okay, please give me a thought. But the only background information that I found that I really, really enjoyed... <laughs> is uh she was asked on the author stephanie perkins was asked on hellogiggles.com if she could only eat one food for the rest of her life what would it be <laughs> and the answer was nachos she said oh man rare does a day pass in which i do not consume a plate of nachos for lunch or dinner or both wow i know she's a queen she's the nacho queen wow yep i hope she's got one of those nacho hats I hope she does. I have a cheese hat. 
It's not the same. I can't, like, you know, dip into my own. That's the dream. Yeah. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. To be Homer Simpson. Nacho, nacho man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I also want to what be a nacho man. What food would you want to eat for the rest of your life? Mm, tacos. Mm. Tacos, I think. What about you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go pizza because you can have sweet and savory and a variety of toppings. Well, you can do the same with tacos. Exactly. And if you're feeling, you know, less bready, you just eat the topping. Yeah. Yeah. You can do the same with tacos. You can just eat the insides out. It's perfect. I had hard shell tacos at the weekend. I hated it. What? I love hard shell tacos. I like soft shell. Were they flour or corn? Corn. I prefer corn. I don't think these were very... It was a brand, like a big brand name, and I don't think they were as nice. Anywho, we're anyway, getting Anyway, yeah, that's not topic. what we're talking about. Although my <laughs> we're stomach... We're talking about slasher horror. Yes. You haven't had dinner, I haven't I have. had dinner, so my stomach is going to start rumbling. But it's fine. It's fine. Realistic sounds. Yes. We've got a bit of folly going on. It's fine. Yes. My initial thought. Yes, what? The book. Yes. And the movie. Yes. Two different things. Yes. They are. They are completely different. And not just a medium. <laughs> Story. Yeah. But it was... The changes were acceptable. Both. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get into detail. Yes. But you can enjoy both, and I did enjoy both. Yes. And I would like to watch it with our listeners. I know. we. I would really love to do that as well. Um, I read this one originally when it came out. And I really, really liked it. And then I found out that they were making it into a movie. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. This book came out in like 2018, I think. Maybe 2019. Mm -hmm. And the movie was supposed to come out like shortly thereafter. And I was like, yes. And then, you know, the world shut down. Mm. And so the movie only came out last October. October 2021. For those of you listening in the far distant future. (laughs) Or in the past. Who knows? Ooh, wibbly wobbly die. <laughs> but yeah, I really, really liked it. I haven't read any of Stephanie Perkins' other stuff, like Anna and the French Kiss, which is her like claim to fame. Haven't read it. She's got several cutesy romances. Not interested. Gimme the horror. Nah. Gimme the slashers. If they're not wielding a giant knife, I'm we all know our thoughts and feelings on contemporary YA and contemporary YA romance. Yes. Pass. <laughs> Gently, quietly pass on those. We'll just stab a giant hunter's knife through that idea. We will. We will. And <laughs> we'll uh, we'll go ahead and begin. We'll begin the summary. Yes. Of the book. The book. Not the movie. We'll talk about the movie, but we're not summarizing the movie. You can watch the movie. It's easier. Yeah. Too bad we're not doing that one thing that we did that one time. No. (laughs) That was... Nobody needs to... Stop talking about it. Okay. There is an egg-shaped timer on the welcome mat when Haley Whitehall gets home. That's strange. Both her mother and father are out, and when she picks it up, there's a faint warmth on its surface. 
Haley is then distracted by her phone ringing. Her friend Brooke is calling to find out how rehearsal went with a very enthusiastic drama teacher for the production of Sweeney Todd. I would love to see a high school version of Sweeney Todd. It will be amazing, especially... <laughs> with especially... all of the blood that happens. Yeah. So, yeah, that's her answer. Her short answer is messy on account of all the blood. As Haley is chatting and preparing a snack, she notices a single butter knife in the dishwasher and no other dirty dishes, either in the machine or in the sink. That's strange. On her way to her room, she kicks the egg timer, which is now on the bottom step of the stairs. Placing it on the counter, Haley decides she needs a nap. Yeah, me too, Haley. Me too. So she ends her call with Brooke and heads to her bed. Haley is woken by the egg timer going off on her bedside table. Yikes! What a frightening setup. Oh my gosh. So good. That is right. Bad way to end a nap. It is. Oh, terrible. Terrible. (sighs) Naps are so good as well. Not when you're murdered at the end of them, though. No, no, no. Spoiler Spoiler alert. (laughs) Murdered. The next morning, the school is buzzing about Haley Whitehall's murder and Ollie Larson's pink hair. Apparently, in small town Osborne, Nebraska, a boy with pink hair is as newsworthy as a brutal slaying. It's the same. I'm pretty sure it's, it's the same. Would you rather be brutally murdered or dye your hair pink? <laughs> it's the same. You can't choose because it's, it's the same. Kenny Young and her friends Darby and Alex are discussing the rumours, including Ollie using the blood of his victims to dye his hair. (laughs) Reasonable. (laughs) Despite McCanny knowing that's not how hair dye works, she doesn't like the murders being linked to Ollie because, since her arrival in Osborne, she's had a thing for him and her friends know it in fact she had a fling with ollie last summer and her friends don't know about that (laughs) ollie is a loner so the rumor mill surrounding him is rife mccarney knows something of being the center of the rumors herself and for self-preservation she avoids most of her classmates she recently moved from hawaii to nebraska to live with her grandmother as her parents go through a very messy divorce but that's not the whole story we're not going to tell you. We can, no, that's not, that's not what you're going to learn next. The only topic of conversation is speculation on who killed Haley. A serial killer? Ollie with his pink hair? Her secret boyfriend? Her understudy in Sweeney Todd? A family member? A fellow student? It's scary, because Haley's death doesn't seem real, but at the same time, it could literally happen to any one of them, because they don't know who it is. A fight during lunch by some jocks showcases the tension everyone is feeling, and while everyone seems to be watching the jocks, Makani spots Ollie alone again. She goes over and speaks to him for the first time since school started, and since their summer together. Though it isn't smooth, and really they should have talked a long time before this, when Makani turns away, Ollie reaches out to her and takes her arm. Oh, Oh, Ollie. 
this girl, McCartney finds her grandmother working on a jigsaw puzzle, waiting for the news to hear updates on the murder. Mm. We learn about grandma's problem, inverted commas. Ever since her husband died, she has had episodes of sleepwalking. The last one, which spurred McCartney's parents into sending her to Nebraska, involved the neighbour's walnut tree at 3am. Sharp pruning shears and the neighbour losing the tip of his nose. (laughs) But that's beside the point. That was over a year ago. And she's not had an episode since. McCartney's grandma also insists she is not the one leaving the kitchen cabinets open, young lady. So it must be McCartney and she should show some respect. Though McCartney denies responsibility too, McCartney also isn't the one misplacing tools and unlocking doors. Pointed glare at grandma. McCartney likes to be needed, though, however. It backfired in July, though. Oh. (sighs) July was the start of the whatever it was with Ollie. McCartney had gone to the grocery store where he works. All through her shopping, they gave each other looks. But when she loaded up her grandma's car with the purchase and caught him seemingly laughing at her, McCartney called him out. I love Makani. She does not put up with shit at all. Nope. It turns out, though, he was not laughing at her. He was laughing at himself for being too afraid to talk to her. Oh, the big sweetie. They start talking about a travel book he's reading, and then Makani starts volunteering to do the weekly shopping. Wink, wink. They made out every week on top of the milk crates until it rained. And so then they moved into the back seat of Grandma's car. The last time they met up, they drove to a cornfield for privacy and had sex. Ooh, nice. Ooh. That's so romantic. Cornfield sex. It's the best. It's the best kind. Nobody saw the clown lurking at them. No. Nope. As McCartney and her grandma sit down to dinner, McCartney's phone buzzes with a message. It's Ollie. Lying to her grandma about who it is, McCartney leaves the table to talk. In their exchange, McCartney realises they've both been as dumb as each other and made assumptions about each other's feelings. When Ollie tries to call, her grandma catches her and calls her out. No, it's not your mom or Alex. Who is it? Mm. Reluctantly, McCartney tells her it's a boy. (gasps) Oh my god. Her grandma taught Ollie's older brother, who is now a cop and Ollie's legal guardian, after their parents died in a car wreck. Her grandma doesn't seem to have a problem with her granddaughter seeing Ollie, though she wants to meet him. Later that night, after what was most likely cats in the yard, leaving McCanny unsettled, she talks to Ollie again. Yeah, they've been real dumb. But now they've declared that they like each other and they want more than just sex. Mmm conversation I know the actual conversation I know it's really good (laughs) I'm so happy right now they end up talking for hours really getting to know each other it's so great (laughs) in the morning Makani tells Alex and Darby everything they're wary of Ollie especially since he got her number from his cop brother Rather than just asking her for it. Weird. But they extend an olive branch when Ollie sits with them 
before Haley's memorial and again at lunchtime. Alex grills Ollie over what he knows about Haley's death, and it's not good. No. He found out by snooping through his brother's police files and overhearing conversations that Haley was found with a smiley face with axes for eyes cut into her throat, severing her vocal cords. Haley didn't struggle, though, and thankfully she wasn't violated. Damn. Oof. Damn. This is, at this point, this is what I know this book is not going to hold back. No. Oof. Later, Alex and Darby warn McCarney to be careful around Ollie. They don't know him very well, but they don't actually know McCarney fully either because they don't know what happened back in Hawaii. Ollie drives McCarney home after school and meets her grandma. She seems to really like him and invites him over to complete jigsaw puzzles anytime. <laughs> and he loves it. He wants I to. Know. He loves a jigsaw. He wants He's to put the puzzles together. He's so cute. He's so cute. <laughs> they end the evening making out on the hood of Ollie's decommissioned Crown Vic, his brother's old car, and it was a gift from the department after the parents died. So it sucks, but it's lovely at the same time. It is. And they do it in front of an ocean of cornfields. Now it's romantic. It is, because he wants to take her to the ocean. And that's thousands of miles away. No, it's really Aww. sweet. Matt Butler, star football player, is sick and tired. Coach Hooker is hounding him. The principal's on his back. His teammates are being dicks. His girlfriend is playing on the death of Haley to get attention. To top it all off, he's not sure if it's... Stress or CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, causing him to misplace his stuff. Alone in the locker room, Matt heads to his locker after his shower, stepping over his dirty practice clothes on the way. But when he gets to his locker, his combination lock is missing. And so is his duffel bag. Searching around, he can't see anyone or anything else misplaced. Then he can't find his dirty clothes? Grabbing a landline telephone off the wall, Matt tries to call home for assistance, but gets the answering machine. Suddenly, everything goes silent. Then, someone whimpers. At the far end of the locker room, a lone figure wearing a hoodie sits with their back to the room. It looks like they're crying. As Matt sees their face, a knife cuts through his abdomen. Collapsing to the ground, the figure looms over Matt before plunging the knife into his skull. The figure shows Matt a newspaper cutting, one he's carried in his backpack until it went missing a few weeks ago. The last thing Matt knew was a large, sawtooth hunting knife carving the circumference of his head before his brain was slashed to mush and his skull neatly replaced. Just put it back on. Yikes. Yikes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Not just a, you know, stab to the gut. Not good enough. Cut off the top of his head. Scramble his brains around. Put his head back on. Yikes. Matt was killed during Haley's memorial, so nearly 200 people saw the emergency services arrive. The next day, the only topics of conversation at school are the murderers, 
and speculation as to who committed them and why the victims were chosen. Love triangle, secret relationships, being popular, competition. The police are questioning everyone from admin to faculty to students. Wakani is one of the last and Officer Chris Larson specifically asked to interview her because he wanted to meet the girl his little brother's got a crush on. <laughs> the questions are pretty standard. So, you know the victims? Have you ever talked to them? Where were you between 6pm and 7pm yesterday? Making out with your brother. Shh, don't tell. The only question that seems to make McCartney uncomfortable is if she had any familiarity with hunting and hunting knives. <sighs> she doesn't. But her memories make her sick and she rushes to the washroom after Chris lets her go to calm down. Outside, Ollie is waiting with her backpack. They're going to cut out the last 20 minutes of school together. Aww. Oh, he's so, so sweet. So sweet. He's coming to the rescue again. Making it to Ollie's car through the barrage of reporters asking dumb questions, Makani confesses that she doesn't want to head home yet. So Ollie takes her to his place past the cornfields that once belonged to his family's farm. Makani flicks through some of the police reports on the murders, but it's gruesome reading, and the pictures are horrific. The police think someone smaller than Matt is the killer, as the stabs to the abdomen were possibly meant to bring Matt down to the killer's level. Wow. Leaving any thoughts and conversation over the murders downstairs, Makani and Ollie head to his room, where Ollie finds out Makani had a boyfriend back in Hawaii, but it didn't really last. And Makani finds out that Ollie has never had a girlfriend. Sex, yeah, but uh-huh. not a girlfriend. And his room is cluttered with books. <laughs> As things start to get hot and heavy, Chris walks in. Super awkward. However, Chris is more worried about Ollie and Makani not being where they should be with a killer running around than any, like, hanky-panky they might be trying to get up to. I think that's fair. Murdered? Hanky-panky. Which one? Which one's worse? I think it depends which relative you talk to and how sensible the people doing the hanky and the panky are. These two seem pretty sensible for the most part. Well, yeah, so I'm more worried about the serial killer. Yeah, I think I agree. McCanny later has a very frustrating phone call with Darby, where he, on behalf of himself and Alex, wants to again highlight Ollie's creepiness, such as getting her number from her brother. To be fair, it's the same creepy thing they keep bringing up. Yeah, no like, new evidence. get over it. Yeah. And you're fine with him finding out all of this, you know, murdersome information, but you're not fine with him getting a phone number? Like. Yeah. Priorities mm-hmm. are skewed. Yeah. Also, Darby says that she should be careful he isn't using her for his grand murderous master plan. <laughs> that would be. After all, Darby says. Matt humiliated him in front of everyone a few days ago and Haley rejected him when he asked her out. Four years ago. Four years ago they were children. Who cares? Whilst McCartney respects and appreciates them looking out for her, she doesn't like their shit talking behind her. And these are ridiculous accusations. Yeah. 
Makani stomps around the house, picking up yesterday's shoes, which somehow were on the bottom step, and yesterday's socks lying beside the closet door, when Ollie comes over before his shift to the grocery store. He helps Makani's grandma with her jigsaw puzzle while the local news plays in the background. <laughs> as bored as Makani is, she appreciates Ollie spending time with her and her grandma. And when she sees the boy, she likes high-five her grandma over a jigsaw piece. <laughs> Makani knows there is no way that a boy could ever be a murderer. No, he's too cute. He's too oh, cute. He's just adorable. I know, he's I love so him. so precious. I love him he's so, so precious. Rodrigo Morales finally has the house to himself. His parents are in Vegas for the weekend, and all his older sisters have moved out. The TV is all his, so it's zombie killing time. Chugging an energy drink while texting a friend who's somewhere watching anime, Rodrigo heads back to his game, headphones on and volume up high. An hour later, Rodrigo is fast asleep. He suddenly wakes up with the sun streaming in and death metal roaring in his ears and knocks a can of energy drink onto his mom's expensive rug. He doesn't remember bringing a drink, though, or completely rearranging all the furniture. What? What's going on? (laughs) Rodrigo thinks it could be a prank, but also considers calling the police. He doesn't have the chance, though, as a figure in a black hoodie is standing unnaturally still in his kitchen. Yikes. The figure lunges and plunges a knife straight through Rodrigo's heart and back out. And then again. And again. And again. Rodrigo lies on the ground like a slaughtered animal before the figure drags him into his gaming chair. Slices off Rodrigo's ears and stuffing them back into his headphones and then placing them around Rodrigo's neck. Then the killer picks up the controller and resumes the zombie game. They got time. Oh my god. Yikes. 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 Do you know what would be really annoying if the killer got, like, a new high score? It would. The killer would be annoying for the killer, because, like, the killer couldn't put their own name in. They have to pretend to be Rodrigo. They just wasted all that time for nothing. (laughs) Or they, like, put your killer. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. You are K-I-L-L-A. Killer. Your killer. killer. You're no You're killer. killer. You're no killer. <laughs> Anywho. Except you are. This is serious, serious, horrific it business. It is. Yikes. We're desensitizing through humor. That's what After- we do best. <laughs> After Rodrigo's murder, everything changes. School is closed and the students are urged to group together or stay with a parent. Businesses turn their signs to closed. The streets are quiet and families stay home together. Every student is a potential target and the news goes national with a serial killer on the loose. Ollie calls at noon. He's at the station doing paperwork for Chris as both punishment for skipping out of school early and so his brother could be sure he's safe before his shift. He updates McCarney on what he's heard about Rodrigo. The killer left a footprint and a butt print in Rodrigo's blood as they sat for five hours playing on Rodrigo's PlayStation. That's insane. Yikes. The police think all the victims knew their killer. 
That afternoon, Makani and her grandma visit Alex and Darby at work. Makani wants to check on Alex, who had a huge crush on Rodrigo, and also mend things since their fight. It's a welcome gesture, but it's clear to Makani that Alex and Darby still suspect Ollie. Why doesn't she tell them about the puzzling? Yes, and tell them that he's a sweetie. He's just a sweetie. After some former teacher debate, Grandma Young sends Makani into school so she may see a sleep specialist in Omaha. Look, Grandma, it's probably a good thing that you go to the sleep specialist. Yeah. The guy's the most mad. Yeah. The classrooms are half empty. It feels melancholy, and social boundaries are crossed as grief is displayed in all sorts of ways. While Darby and Alex aren't in school, Makani notices others seem to keep their distance from Ollie. Is it just, you know, because, like, no one's in school? Or is it distrust? When Makani gets a check-in text from her grandma, Ollie tells her how Chris and the other officers worked in complete silence at Rodrigo's house, with only the constant sound of calls and texts on Rodrigo's phone filling the silence. Oh, my God. That's pretty eerie. That's creepy. During last period, the principal announces over the loudspeaker their gratitude to those who came into school and says that school will remain open. They also announce a little bit of good news. Rosemary Holt won the barrel race last weekend at the Sloan County Championship Rodeo. Ollie comments that she needs to watch out because the killer seems to like their victims to be talented. What did you say that out loud for? Also, interesting. Yeah, but don't say it out loud when everyone thinks you're the murderer, dude. Yeah. Grandma Young is going to be late again back home, so Makani asks Ollie to come over, not Darby as Grandma asked her to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He also leave his car at school for a sneaky getaway and walk the short distance to her house. The irony is not lost. (laughs) As they go upstairs to her room, Ollie, looking somewhat wistful at the incomplete puzzle on the coffee table, (laughs) Makani receives another text from her grandma, who is stuck in traffic, leaving them plenty of time for some sexy time. Ooh, sexy puzzle time? Was the puzzle involved? No, no, there would be butt cheek marks on the puzzle of mm, grandma. And like know. puzzle pieces stuck to your nipples. They would guarantee that the one piece that you need would be in a butt crack. It would be. And nobody needs that crack. No one needs butt crack puzzle pieces. No one needs butt crack puzzle pieces. I'm just going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear me. <laughs> Later, while Ollie is sleeping, another text from my grandma comes through. She is still stuck in slow-moving traffic and at least an hour away. A powerful thirst sends McCartney to the kitchen for a glass of water where she finds the cutlery door open. It wasn't open before, was it? Hmm. Wary now, she goes to pee. And when McCartney comes back to the kitchen, she finds the drawer is open again and no. the water glass is empty. No, stop it. I do not like stuff being moved around while you're gone for zero time. It is creepy. 
Clearly, it's a ghost. It's obviously a ghost. Obviously, okay? Maybe it is. Mm. Maybe this book has changed tones. Maybe it has. <laughs> Twist. Makani feels very afraid, and I, I am fully supportive of that emotion. Yep. So refilling the glass, Makani turns to head upstairs and notices the jigsaw puzzle has been completed. No! Fuck that. Fuck that. You know, this is really unfortunate because uh, you know who's real good at putting puzzles together? Ollie. <gasps> Did he do it in the short time that they've been downstairs? Can he multitask putting the jigsaw piece together whilst having sexy times? Yes. Well, we're about to find out, so it's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Convinced her grandma must be home, McCartney slams a glass on a counter and calls out, but it's silent. Mm. When she turns back, the glass is gone. No! 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 McCartney now starts looking for her grandma's car outside and checking the rooms. The glass is back on the counter, though, and all the cupboards and drawers are open. No, stop it. McCartney knows the killer is there. And knows the killer has been gaslighting them. <gasps> Stumbling towards the stairs, a figure wearing a hoodie and holding a large knife steps out from behind the grandfather clock. No, thank you. <laughs> Makani screams loud enough to rattle the pictures on the wall, causing the figure to jump. The killer comes for Makani and she lunges away, screaming again. Then Ollie comes barreling down the stairs. Yay! Naked! Ooh-hoo. Startling the killer, who obviously thought Makani was alone. Makani slams into the killer, knocking him to the floor, knocking the knife out of his hand, and revealing his face. She knows it, but can't place it. The killer thrashes and kicks in all three grapple. Then, a fourth joins the fray, as Grandma Young has returned. Grandma has entered the challenge. Grandma is the friend of Yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, the killer has retrieved the knife and plunges it into Grandma's belly. While Makani tries to protect her grandma further, the killer breaks free and then makes a run for it. Ollie calls the police and tells them the killer is David Ware, Rodrigo's best friend. <gasps> No. What? This isn't even halfway through the book. What? How do... Why? (sighs) And then Ollie's just standing there with his... watching anime. No, he's not watching anime. He's watching Ollie's dingle dangling while he's standing there. And there's a puzzle piece on the end of it. If he's Rodrigo's best friend, then he wouldn't have to lie about his name on the high score sheet. (gasps) That's the whole reason why he did it. (laughs) Yes! He needed those five hours. He did. He did. Okay, well that's fine. We've cracked this case. We have. We figured it out. So the rest of the evening seems to pass in a blur of blazing lights and questions as emergency services and reporters arrive. Grandma Young is rushed to surgery as Makani is interviewed by the police. Makani feels the karmic cycle of life has circled back and she's receiving her final punishment from what happened in Hawaii. What happened in Hawaii, Makani? Tell us! We need to know! 
for hours. Makani waits alone in the hospital while Grandma is in surgery. She has no phone, so she can't contact Ollie or her friends, and the police have been trying to contact her parents with no luck. Mm. The TV was a bad idea, as it's filled with the attack, pictures of David splashed about, and interviews with her neighbours. At last, Grandma Young is out of surgery and doing well. Though she will be in hospital for three weeks. So, that's fine. Yeah. At least we know she's going to be safe in hospital. Yes. When Makani is allowed to see her grandma, Chris and Ollie come to visit soon after with a bunch of balloons. Chris thanks her for helping Makani and Ollie, but Grandma Young emphatically says Ollie was the real hero. Oh, it was leaked. Finally, (laughs) Makani gets her phone. There are a lot of messages and voicemails. Alex and Darby are hugely apologetic for ever suspecting Ollie. Social media has exploded and her name is being splashed everywhere. Right now, Makani can't deal with it all, understandably. Mm. There are, however, no messages from either of her parents. What? Assholes. Thankfully, Chris invites Makani to stay at their place. We know before now that her parents are absolute dicks. Yeah. But but this really, this really just Mm. emphasises it. Yeah. Makani doesn't sleep well that night and is very jumpy, which makes sense, considering a serial killer wants her dead. Ollie sneaks into bed with her and holds her until morning. At dawn, Makani and Ollie give up trying to sleep and head to the kitchen, where Chris is making coffee and tells them they still haven't found David yet. Makani tries to recall David, but he was just a nothing guy. Everyone who knows him, though, is blindsided. Chris gives Makani and Ollie detailed plans for them, where they should be all day, because I can't take any chances of them being attacked again. Hmm. At Grandma Young's house, the reporters are swarming, and the police are everywhere. But Makani is able to pick up essentials for her stay at Chris and Ollie's house. At the hospital, Grandma Young is looking better, though she's besieged by phone calls from reporters and her church group. Ugh. As Makani and Ollie arrive, she's just ended one call telling her of the plans for a memorial service on Main Street that afternoon. Makani and Ollie think it sounds brave, and it is, but Grandma Young thinks efforts should be made to catch the killer, then they can celebrate. Oh, yeah, instead of, you know, gathering all of the townsfolk into the same place at the same time. Yeah, and leaving outside areas quiet and unmonitored. Yeah, mm. perfect plan. Yeah. Hey, remember how we were just talking about how terrible Makani's parents are? Yeah. Hey, guess what? It gets worse. Because oh. now Makani gets a phone call from her mom. Yay! No. Uh, her mom victim blames her and treats her like an inconvenience. What the hell? This terrible. This mom is terrible. She's the worst. She is. Like even Grandma Young knows that her daughter is a raging narcissist who <laughs> married an asshole. They're everything's terrible. All of them. All of them are terrible. Except for Grandma. It's a good thing that Makani has her and can always depend on her. We love Grandma. We do. Ollie leaves them to have a moment together, but it's interrupted by Alex and Darby, who are happy to see Makani alive and squeal at Ollie for helping to save her life. 
They even brought donuts. Yay. Yay. Moving their group to the waiting room, they talk about the Ollie running naked after a murderer thing, but more seriously, how they never would have suspected David as he seemed so normal and boring. But he must be angry and hurt. Something. It's always the quiet ones. It is. Something must have made him snap. But why do you go after Makani? Like, Makani doesn't even know who he is. Like, what's the point of that? <sighs> she takes a deep breath and tells her friends her name wasn't always Makani Young. Ooh. Do we finally get to find out what happened in Hawaii? Listen up, my friend, because back in Hawaii, her name wasn't Makani Young. It was Makani Kanakalau. And she was on the varsity swim team who had a tradition of hazing the rookies. Oh, no. Makani and the others new to varsity were kidnapped and taken to the beach. Typically, they would be given the heads up and dressed appropriately as parents are informed. But Makani's parents are assholes, yes. which we already knew. Yeah. Makani was made to take off her pyjama shorts, exposing her everywhere to everyone. Mm. The veteran teammates wrote derogatory words on the rookies' foreheads. Slut, nympho, cunt, bitch and whore. And those were the only names that they were to respond to from then on. Mm. This can be a bit triggering from this point on as well. Yeah. Trigger warning. If they failed, they had to drink a shot of alcohol and they were forced to perform exercises from swim team while the veterans tried to trick them and make them take shots of vodka with every mistake. McCartney felt resentful toward her best friend Jasmine, who was kidnapped looking great and dressed appropriately. It must be nice having parents who actually care. Things get worse when one of the veterans run to get a knife to open a can of dog food, which they then mix with the vodka and sickly sweet honey to smear on the rookies. The concoction makes McCarney sick and her resentment towards Jasmine keeps building. Jasmine is her focus. The trials continue to get worse as hot sauce is poured into McCarney's eyes and while she performs sit-ups, which is excruciatingly painful, someone pours water into her eyes and with blurry vision she sees another bottle between the bonfire and the knife. Jasmine reaches for the bottle before Makani can get to it and swats her ponytail across Makani's eyes. Makani snatches up the knife, grabs Jasmine's ponytail and slices it right off. Makani mm. tells her friends that Jasmine was so drunk that she almost drowned. I was about to say, like, is it really that big a deal cutting off someone's ponytail? But then you run worse. screaming into the ocean and almost drown, and that's yeah. bad, and your friend is brandishing a knife at you, and that's also And you're all very, bad. very, very drunk. Yeah. Oof. Yikes. You know what's even worse? You know, all this chaos is going on, and Jasmine has run screaming and flailing into the water, and Makani didn't go to help her? Oof. The captain, as drunk as she was, finally saw what happened. Dove in and performed CPR. Thank goodness. 
My, she did kind of cause it. Yeah, she did. It's kind of our fault. McConney was taken to the police station and was nearly charged with third-degree assault, was suspended from school, and kicked off the swim team. Because McConney was a minor, her name was kept out of the news, but she lost her best friend, her boyfriend, and she received threats of rape and scalping and death. The district attorney got the charges dropped and her record expunged, actually using the phrase, kids will be kids. But everyone turned on her, and she had to leave Hawaii for Nebraska. Alex and Darby take McCartney's revelation in stride and don't think what McCartney did is any way comparable to David's actions. No, it not really at isn't. all. It really isn't. Jasmine may hate McCartney for the rest of her life, but she has a life. And shorter hair. One bad night does not make someone a bad person. The assumption at this point is that David found out about McCartney's past and tried to get vigilante justice. The dude, you're not Batman. No, you're not. But that doesn't make too much sense with his other victims. Rodrigo was an internet troll to women in gaming, though he'd recently stopped. Matt was the ringleader of the jocks and didn't stop them from being assholes. But what about Haley? Then they start thinking about who David's next victim might be. Zachary Loop is top of the list. He's little like Ollie in that he's a loner, but Zachary is definitely an asshole. Yeah. Ollie drops Chris a text with their suspicions. Meanwhile, Darby drops Alex off at school for band practice. Chris reports that Zachary is home safe with his mom's boyfriend. However, Darby swears he just saw him at school. Deciding to check it out themselves. Stop it. No, don't do that. Stop. McConney and Ollie head to the school, leaving a not lie lie at the nurse's desk for Grandma Young. It's a lie. When it's, it's a, not a lie. lie, it's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. Not not lie lie is not a thing. <laughs> Zachary Loop was stoned and avoiding his mother's latest loser boyfriend by coming to the memorial. But memorial is a loose term for the spectacle around him. Zachary used to be friends with David back when they were neighbours. He always remembered that David would hold his anger until he snapped, and he'd seen David in rage. Getting a get-home-now text from his mom, which he ignores, Zachary spies a very pretty girl heading straight for him. Meanwhile, Caleb Greeley, son of the pastor, overachiever and marching band member, can't find his plume. The marching band is about to go on, and they need to look good and represent the school. He must have left it in the grocery store. Zachary is standing with Kate Cutsman, one of the smart and friendly girls at school. She's also hot. Some guy spills a slush over her arms, which doesn't really bother Katie, and he does apologize, but Zachary calls him out for it anyway. Katie gives Zachary the last memorial candle from her box and tells him that she has to head home to look after her little brother and sister. After he's finished being an asshole to Katie too, because why not? And she's walked off. Zachary sees a flash of camo in the store across the street. But, you know, he just puts it down to, like, being completely stoned and, you know, whatever. He didn't actually see anything. He's too stoned. Inside the store, Caleb can't see his plume anywhere and then he hears the drums start 
He needs to get back outside and stop thinking that this is about him. It's not. The memorial is to show school pride and is for the victims. But then everything suddenly is about him. And not in a good way. (laughs) Zachary is bombarded by Makani, Ollie and Darby, who are making sure he's still alive. He is. And points out that Makani and Ollie are fucking... What? what? He sees all and asks why the hell they are here again. They think he will be the next victim because he's an asshole. (laughs) He doesn't think that likely since he and David go way back. In this, I love how he's just not offended really by all of this. No. In the store, David is standing in front of Caleb with his missing plume in his hand. Caleb tries to run as the band plays the school's graduation song, but David reaches him before he can get to the exit. Oh, no. The knife goes into his back no. and is ripped downward. Mm. No one can hear the screams or the pounding of the glass. David drags Caleb from view to finish his work. It's another trigger warning in advance of this paragraph. Suicide. Drugs. Skip ahead if you need to. With Zachary on his way home and Darby dropping Alex off, Makani and Ollie have a few moments of quiet together before Chris comes to pick them up. This is where we learn about Ollie's secret past. After his parents died, he was lost in booze and weed at age 16. He ended up having an affair with a 23-year-old he met at a local bar, where if you weren't a regular, you weren't allowed in. Chris was seriously pissed about it and stopped it. However, Ollie was still abusing drugs. It wasn't until he tried to kill himself in the river that he realized he wanted to live and took the professional help Chris got him. Way to go, Ollie. Good job. Taking comfort in each other, Makani and Ollie start to kiss when Makani spots blood on the doors of the grocery store. And Ollie sees movement inside. Makani calls Chris on Ollie's phone as they head inside to find Caleb indecently displayed on top of the football team's merchandise stand, slashed up, his hands removed, laced together, and placed over his heart. Chris is screaming at them over the phone while Makani whispers, David Ware just went out the back exit. Oh. Oh, yeah. oh. Katie is now in her basement about to clean the spilled slush off her sweater when something makes her pause. An empty tuna can is on the windowsill, making it seem like someone had been sitting there eating the contents and listening to Katie and her family while they were upstairs. No! Deciding against this particular chore right now, Katie leaves, but not before putting a can of paint on the windowsill instead. Saying goodbye to her mom, who was leaving for work at the hospital, Katie heads to the bathroom to pee and change her tampon. As she's sitting, trying to reach the box, Katie notices all her stuff has been pushed to the back. Ugh. Mm. Her mom has been guilt cleaning again. As Katie is getting changed, she hears a thump from downstairs, but dismisses it as her siblings. Once the twins are safely in bed, Katie sits down to her college applications, when she hears a noise come from the basement steps. Oh, no. She instantly thinks it must be David Ware and starts to call the police. 
Katie and David throw themselves at the basement door at the same time. Unfortunately, David managed to open it a crack and was able to bust through. No. They struggle together, but David plunges his knife into Katie's liver. No. His rage fueling him. He shouts in her face, Why won't you scream? But Katie can't utter her response because she doesn't want to wake her siblings. Oh. When Katie is dead, David cracks open her ribs, cuts out her heart, placing it on top of the college brochures. Katie had set her heart on going to college. The call about Katie comes in when Makani, Ollie and Chris are at the Larson house. Her mom found her when she came home to check on them since Katie wasn't responding to any texts. The twins were still asleep upstairs, though. So that's good. It's, no, it's just all terrible. They're safe? Not murdered? It's all terrible. Since Chris needs to help with the investigation, he drops Makani and Ollie off at the hospital to sit with Grandma Young, who is asleep on pain meds. The latest murders are all over the news, as well as footage showing David getting out of Katie's stolen car at a truck stop, then climbing into the cab of a truck headed back to Osborne. Similar to a previous escape, David went upriver, not down as the police suspected, then doubled back to the grocery store and snuck in with a key he'd stolen from Caleb a while back. Makani and Ollie can't figure out the link between the murders because Katie was, like, the nicest person in school. Why would you kill her? Leave her alone. Because you're crazy. Soon, it's all Hallow's Eve. Makani and Ollie sleep on Chris's bedroom floor and Chris sleeps in his bed. The corn maze has been turned into a haunted maze with the proceeds going to the victims' families and the National Guard has been called in to help security at the football game. Sounds like a regular Halloween to me. It's fine. When Chris has to leave for work, McCartney and Ollie are to stay with Grandma Young at the hospital. En route, a panicked call from Alex diverts them to the school. Fuck everything. Alex can't be normal when there's a fucking serial killer on the fucking loose. <laughs> a sentiment we can all get behind, Alex. Yes. Together, they drive to the hospital and meet Darby in the car park. Before going in, they wonder if the victims are actually based on overachieving or being the best because that would put Rosemary Holt, Rojo Queen, in David's crosshairs. Oh, no. She lives on the other side of the cornfield from the Larson house, so together, they head over. Oh, no. Rosemary is in the stables, calming the horses from all the loud noises the rednecks decked out for Halloween are making in the cornfields. Bloody rednecks. It's ridiculous. There is a killer at large. Stop it. Rosemary has always considered herself unflappable, but this situation is different, and not like a few months ago when her new saddle strap broke and she was hurt in a fall doing a trick. It was the strangest thing. Hmm. As Rosemary starts mucking out the stables, she notices a pitchfork has moved. Her bucket is gone. And there is someone else in the stable with her. Oh, crap. David Ware steps out of the shadows, his huge knife gleaming. Rosemary tightens her grip on the pitchfork. 
Jin about to be killed by a pathetic boy with a stupid knife. She lunges the pitchfork forward and into David. Hooray! Who is stunned and turns to flee. Oh, no. Rosemary cautiously steps forward. Pitchfork first. Just past the door, David grabs the handle and tries to wrestle the tool from her. But he put the knife down to do so, and Rosemary makes a grab for it, taking a slice across her thigh. Everything turns into a daze then, as bright lights hit both Rosemary and David straight on as a car comes barreling toward them. Ooh, Ollie took his Crown Vic off-road to get to Rosemary's stables. The crowds of tourists wanting to get to the Caulfield Halloween festivities have hampered them and blocked the roads. Bloody rednecks. Mm. The spotlight of the Crown Vic highlights Rosemary and David locked in a struggle. Alex throws herself screaming into the fray as Makani comes in from the other side. It's all arms and legs and slashing knife. As they come apart, David runs into the corn maze, Ollie chasing after him. Darby and Makani realise Alex is dead. Her vertebrae are clearly visible and her head is nearly completely severed. Shit. Alex! Makani and Darby give chase leaving a still-alive Rosemary to contact the police. Yay, Rosemary's alive! Yay? The maze is filled with David Ware costumes, stupid rednecks, and people thinking Makani and Darby are just part of the show. Yeah, because that's the reasonable, like, thing that you would do for Halloween. Celebrate a murderer. A still at large. A murderer. still a current murderer. You know, past murderers are fine. Don't don't dress up as a current serial killer. If who's you want to do Jack the Ripper, serial. fill your ba- boots. You don't yeah. do the serial killer that is murdering your friends. No, no, stop it. Anyway, they finally are able somehow to convince all the rednecks that David Ware is on the loose in the maze, which starts a panicked clear out. Makani and Darby manage to find Ollie and David grappling. Makani screams and kicks David in the head, which separates them for a moment before David charges her. Brooke, Haley's friend, pours a bucket of fake blood over them, trying to help. Points for trying. David points at Darby, telling him he had considered killing him before Makani came to town. Then he lunges forward and lashes at Darby, causing him to go down as a wound appears in his chest. Ollie covers Makani and suffers the same fate. Oh my god. Oh my god, Ollie and David or and Darby are both dead. Everyone's dying. Everyone's alive. Everyone's dead. David screams that they'll be stuck in Osborne forever now while he gets to escape. He'll be famous as he raises the knife toward Makani. Makani ducks and runs for her life with David chasing her all the way. She runs through the carnival-style grounds and towards the corn pit, diving in and swimming, running through 
however you do it in a corn. Swim. What is a corn? But just a pit full of corn. Yeah. Weird. And then you swim, <laughs> swim run. Yeah. I'm going to start that again because the corn pit really weirds the me out. The corn pit Look, is interesting. It's an interesting premise. I, I do you eat your way through? Are you slathered with butter while you try and swim run through? Mm, no, it's like dry kernels of corn. It's not even I'm cooked. S- it's not popcorn. This is very strange. I'm going to Google it. Okay. McCarney ducks and runs for her life with David chasing her all the way. She runs through the carnival-style grounds and towards the corn pit, diving in and swim running through. David stands on the edge, watching her. He doesn't see Darby running through, holding an iron fork art skeleton, or the blow to the head he delivers, knocking David into the pit. Darby's still alive! Darby! Yay! But is David dead? Darby runs for help while McCarney wades toward the body. She sees his knife and picks it up as David turns over on his back, his eyes unfocused. He tells McCarney she doesn't have it in her as she raises the knife. He does not know her. Nope. Murdered. (laughs) Wait. McCarney isn't a monster. One bad night did not make her a monster. David is a monster. As he lunges for her, Makani drives a knife into his back. He can't escape now. He was jealous of all those people who'd be able to leave their small town. He didn't rip the community apart. He died in Osborne and will be buried in Osborne. Chris and the rest of the police arrive, and Chris rushes off to find Ollie. As Makani is being pulled from the pit, Chris comes through on the police radio and says that Ollie is still alive! Yay! Yay! Oh! Phew! That is stressful. Oh my gosh, that the entire book was stressful, but in a really good way. Yeah. Let's go grab some corn. Yeah, we need to take a corn break. A corn and jigsaw puzzle break. Okay, let's grab a puzzle too. Yeah. Butt crack puzzle. A butt crack puzzle. Yes. So we're going to work on that while you guys listen to this message. Please remember that Fictional Hangover is a free podcast and always will be. If you'd like to support the show, stop listening to us for just a few minutes. Become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover, then come back. Your support on Patreon will help us bring you more spoiler-filled discussions, book character cosplays, and ridiculous content you know and love. Now, back to the episode. Are we back? (laughs) Yes. Did you finish a puzzle? I did. Did you learn about corn pits? Yes, I'm disturbed, but quite intrigued. Excellent. (laughs) (laughs) The expression, the expression. Oh, it's delightful. This book stressed me out. Yeah, it's very stressful. 
literally everyone gets murdered. Except for not. But you think everyone gets murdered until the very, very end. Yeah, yeah. It it was interesting because you know by halfway through who the murderer is. Yeah, and that just, I feel like that makes it worse. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking. It made so much more tense because everybody's like, we know this person. If we see this person, we know they are the killer. Yeah, what are we supposed to do? And then they just get murdered. Just die. That that's the, that's only, the only thing that you can do is just get murdered. Be murdered by David Ware. Yeah. Yikes. It, it was a different it was a different type of tension than, you know, other slashers, horrors, scary books that we've read where Yeah, you because don't we know you don't know who it is until the very, very end and most everything else. Exactly. Yikes. Exactly. It kind of reminded me of Clown in the Cornfield. Well, uh, yeah. Little on the, the corn. Cornfield. Because of the corn. <laughs> but it's more the fact that you know who it is in Clown in the Cornfield all the way through. You're just waiting for everybody else to find out. And then how everybody escapes. And it's the same kind of tense situation with this. And I really enjoyed it. I really yeah. enjoy and knowing who the murderer is and we've said this recently about a story and she racks her mind trying to remember yes when we read since murphy's win lose kill die Hmm. we said it'd be interesting if it was fully from the killer's perspective or we know from the outset who the killer is and that aspect's brought into it because it would add an uh, that tenseness that 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 would really push it to the yeah. next level. Yeah. And that's what happens in this one. Exactly. And you're super stressed out the entire time. But in a good way. But yes, in a good of way. course. Of course. It's in the it's in the way where you just need to turn the page and you need to keep reading and keep yeah. reading and you're like <gasps> Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really impressive that this is Stephanie Perkins' first horror novel. And she writes, like, fluffy romance. And then she, you know, comes out of the cornfield with a knife. <laughs> it's pretty impressive. It is. It is. Um, having not read any other Stephanie Perkins books, you know, this, this book would inspire me to, but I'm not sure unless it was another horror book, whether I'd necessarily pick it up. But if you like the bits where McCartney and Ollie, their relationship aspect, which is really well done, yeah. so it doesn't surprise me yeah. that she has romance books under her belt as well. Yeah. They are lovely segments. And just Ollie is the sweetest. He really, He's really absolute, is. Oh my God, he needs protecting. He does. Him and Grandma Young need protecting. Yes. You know, so I can understand actually... I, somewhat lean towards potentially listening to one, not necessarily a podcast at all, but you know, it might be a a loan out of a a library loan and listen to one at work sometime. Yeah. Um, She does have another horror, which just came out last November? It came out not too long ago. It's Mm. called The Woods Are Always Watching. 
Oh, I man. read. You know what we're like with trees. <laughs> I, re- I read that one. I listened to it. And it was good. But it was yikes. Yikes upon yikes. A big pile of yikes. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to that one now. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm. Okay, I'm going to have to learn that. Lots library. of yikes. Yeah. But it was, like, it was kind of awful because um, at the time... Some of my coworkers were getting ready to go on like a twenty mile hike, and this there's someone in the woods is about two friends going on an extended weekend hike, and I was like, "Oh my god, my friends are going to get murdered." <laughs> they didn't know, which is good. Yay! <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. Yeah, Not but it was like it was happening at the same time, and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah, my friends, they're going to die because I'm listening to this book about people dying in the woods on a hike." And book, that's what's book paranoia is the worst. Yeah, it but anyway, we're not talking about that book. We're talking about this book. Can I tell you what my favorite part of this book was? <laughs> I think I can imagine, but go for it. There's lots of stuff that I like, and I want to talk about that stuff too. But Ollie running naked after David was the best. (laughs) And, like, how Grandma was just, you know, sitting there, looking at him in his nakedness. That was... I loved how he he was just unconcerned by it, because there was other things more important than his schlong hanging out. Yeah. There's a murderer trying to kill his girlfriend and his girlfriend's sweet, sweet grandma. His jigsaw puzzle buddy. Yeah. His his puzz bud. His puzz bud. I regret saying that. Puzz bud. Uh, but uh but yeah, I just I thought that was great. <laughs> and then and then later on, when Alex and Darby are, you know, they're hearing the story and they're like Wait a sec. I thought you guys were just upstairs getting busy and that you were completely naked. Did you run after him naked? And he's like, uh. And McConaughey tries to lie about it. She's like, no, he was wearing a blanket. And he's like, uh, yeah, I was naked. Yeah, because he knows how cool that makes him. Yeah, really. He's not ashamed of his dick at all. No. So you know it's got to be decent. Well, that's not even it. It's the fact he went but naked after a person wielding a knife. And that person knows how to use the knife. He doesn't need any armour, even if it's just a flimsy t-shirt. Badass. He is badass. With his pink <laughs> hair. Did his pink hair make you think of the guy from Blue is for Nightmares? Who kept dyeing his hair different colours because it did me. Yes. Yes. I also wondered if the carpet smashed the drips. I almost asked you that a second ago when I was talking about him not being afraid of his penis size. I'm glad Does we're both... Does carpet match his drips? No. Discuss. No. No. Unfortunately, he did not dye his pubic hair with his hair dye. Don't do it's that. Don't, the, don't, dye don't dye your pubic hair. Don't dye your pubic hair with hair dye. Don't do it. Just for men. And his armpits, too. You can dye your armpits. 
but you can use like the you can do like the spray dye as well. Oh, but that stuff's so, so crunchy and uncomfortable. Don't put that in your regions. No, well, it's not for there. It's for your armpits. Oh, oh, use the blood of your victims. Yes, that is exactly right. Use the blood of your victims. You can dye your pubic hair with the blood of your victims. That's okay. But you need to bleach it first because otherwise the color doesn't Don't change. bleach your pubic hair. Stop <laughs> it. Yikes. The end of that conversation. For now. Because you know we latch on to things. We latch, we latch on to the pubic hairs. Do you know what else I liked about this book? <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. I want to talk about real stuff. <laughs> I want to talk about real stuff. Stop it. I really, really liked... That be perfectly sensible. I really liked how creepy it was that David was in their houses moving shit around. How oh, I did not like that. Scary would that be? <sighs> nah. Nah. Yikes! Don't like it. Don't like it. I it loved it. Just, it was amazing. It was perfect. It was amazing. I loved it. But do not like it. So you know when you play The Sims and you cancel the action halfway through and you can't, or you walk into a room and you don't know what you're doing. Yes. It's like it was like that, except I, I, I would be the person who's like, did I actually drink all that water? Did I do that? And thinking it's me. Yeah, but what about like, Rodrigo? I my mind. I feel like Rodrigo's was the worst because he like wakes up and all of the furniture is rearranged around him. That's creepy as. Do you think he was drugged? Probably. Or he like what... had his headphones on and it was really loud and he couldn't yeah, hear it. That was one thought I had, but considering the amount of energy drinks he'd consumed and then he passed out sleep and he slept solidly all night. Yeah, and like and... he knocked over the drink and didn't like realize that he even had a drink. So mm. Yeah. So I was wondering if... It was probably drugged. And I mean, David's been in there fucking around with shit the whole time, so he could have roofied him. And the tuna can on the windowsill. Oh, I know. Why? You just know he's been in that basement listening. Yes. That's Eating tuna. From a can. Why? Was it in brine? Was it oil? Was it spring water? How nasty was he? Hopefully it was spring water. That's what I'm hoping as well. And like, you know, I can eat tuna. Like mix in some mustard maybe, you know, eat it on a cracker. That's Mm. fine. It's a delicious and tasty snack. Or those pouches that you can get now and you, like, they come with a spork already in the package. So you can just open it up and eat the tuna and it's flavored and it's delicious. Oh my god, I don't have those over here. They sound amazing. I will send you one. (laughs) 
But not a tuna can. Not just eating tuna out of the can. No. No. That's for cats and cat cosplay. Yes. But I ate one of those pouches when I was a cat and cat cosplay. Yeah, but that's allowed with a cat cosplay. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just so creepy. And magnificently done. Yes. And the length of time he's been terrorizing everybody. Yeah, because, I mean, he probably, he's, he cut Rosemary's saddle. Mm-hmm. Do you think that maybe, like, he started with her and was just trying to see what he could get away with? And, like, maybe if I cut this strap and she dies and it's an accident. Hmm. That does seem to be the one that's, like, one of the earliest incidents. He's certainly been haunting Makani and Grandma Young for a while. Yes. Because a lot of it, like, Grandma Young was saying, you're doing this, it's you doing this. Yeah, and, and Makani's like, nah, it's you because you're sleepwalking. Exactly. Mm. So the, she obviously does have sleepwalking, like sleep, sleeping problems, but not to the extent that they assumed. No. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes you wonder. How long How long has he been messing with everyone? Well, Katie, when she goes and gets the tampons in the bathroom, she's like, oh, they're at the back again. My mum's been guilt cleaning. Yeah. Oh, no, maybe he's been messing Was with she? her too. Mm. How long? Yikes. Yeah. And it's what? All because he's so much of a loser that he can't escape Osborne. You know, it's not that hard to get away. Like, you can just move to the next town over. You don't have to do well in school. You don't have to, like, have any prospects. Just, you you got to try a little bit. Yeah. It's just pure jealousy, isn't it? Yeah. His only motivation was jealousy. Yeah. It's, yeah. It was so scary. It was just so terrifying. Just, they know who it was. He's this nothing person, which you can't go, it's always the quiet ones. Yeah. And he's been doing it and terrorising them for months. You've got to be thinking, like, as the other students, is it me? me? I'm assessing everything. Did I put that cup there? Yeah. But they don't really, I don't think the gaslighting and, you know, the the playing with stuff was really a well-known aspect to it. Like, no, probably not. It wasn't an advertised thing where, like, the victims were terrorized for days, weeks, months beforehand before they were murdered. Yeah, by moving egg timers. Like, that's not a thing that people would report in the news, I don't think. No, no. And they always withhold certain pieces of information during the investigation. But yeah, it's just how many other people was he after? Everyone. Okay. And, um... Shit, I was going to say something. And now I can't remember what it was. Oh, the fact that when Makani sees him, and she's like, she thinks she recognizes him, and then she's like, he's just nothing. He's a nothing guy. That's a terrible description of someone. You go to school with this guy every single day and you don't know who he is. 
because he's just so insignificant. I feel like if she had told him that. Rage. Rage. He would have exploded. Rage. But he wasn't an insignificant person, really, really, because he was Rodrigo's friend. Yeah, he was, like, friends with those bros, and... So he was part of a... And Zach knew him. Like, people Uh know him. I can understand Makani not really knowing him, because she's she's kept to herself. She's been there for about a year. She's kept to herself, though, and is only really friends with Alex and Darby and Ollie. Yeah. So I can understand her, especially if they don't have classes together. Like, there were people I never had classes with all right. through secondary school. Yeah. And I feel like this um, is probably a pretty decently sized school, even though it's, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. It's probably a decent school. Exactly. It's enough that there would be two or three classes per year. And if you never put in the same class together or never share a class or grade, then yeah yeah creepy so what about you what did you think about my my favorite one of my favorite things right we've talked a lot of it really was the fact that makani and ollie actually finally thankfully communicated yeah and there was a bit of angst that was going on early and i was like oh no and it seemed to dominate the book quite a lot I was like, where's the murders? Give me the murders. But it was all McCartney pining for Ollie and wanting to know what was going on. What? How did they stand? Are they ever going to have a conversation? Yeah. And then they actually do. And I don't care that Ollie got the telephone number from Chris. No. I don't care. It, 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 it's, it's almost the equivalent of asking your friend, saying to a friend, can I have such and such a telephone number? Yeah. You know? And it wasn't for nefarious, creepy purposes. No, like and, and Darby unreasonably accused him of multiple times. Yeah, but like, you just use the tools that you have available to you. Exactly, you utilize his resources. His yeah. resources was good. Yeah, um, and the fact that quite quickly the talked and established and. It took them a while to work out whether or not the boyfriend and girlfriend, but that's really normal team behavior it's normal anybody's behavior yeah working out how you stand in terms of exclusivity and labels and if you're going to do that kind of thing so i wasn't too annoyed by it Mm. because they had talks had conversations and makani sits down with ollie and darby and alex explains her past because it was getting to the point where I was like, I'm back in Hawaii. These terrible things happen. I'm like, what happened in Hawaii? I know. Just I really wanted to know what it. happened. I really, really wanted to know. And it was terrible what happened. But it wasn't... I feel like Makani did not deserve the treatment that she was given. No. She was being his. She was absolutely out her, of her mind drunk. She was already in a negative situation but mentally because of her asshole parents not prepping her. So, you know, I think everybody has had that instance of being the person who stands out because they're not dressed right, they don't look right, they're not prepared. They they are, they feel lesser for it. It knocks your confidence. And if you're already in a bad place and then you're getting horrible, I can only imagine it was cheap and nasty vodka. Oh, I'm sure it was. Pour down their gullets. 
Yeah. And, and then, then getting being, like hot sauce in your eyes and being covered with dog food. Like, ugh. Force fed, sickly sweet as well with the honey. Make, oh, no. Mm-mm. And then being called names all night and made, and worse, made to exercise. You be, you're dehydrating quicker as well. Yes. So you're going to get drunker faster because of the dehydration. It's a horrible place. And I can understand her fixation on her best friend who came looking fabulous, who came looking prepared. Yeah, and they, and the she had water boys. and she flips her hair in Makani's eyes. That was terrible. Yeah. It, I, I figured Jasmine did it unintentionally. And I also wonder if Jasmine wasn't reaching for the water to help Makani. I don't, you know, assumptions are being made. We yeah. don't know and it's not yeah. explained. But yeah, the entire hazing situation. And then she's the one blamed for it all? How? Yeah, not the not the girls who are hazing everyone. They're fine. They didn't get in trouble. And it was established this is a known tradition that's slowly, gradually got worse and worse. And yeah, worse and, and worse. everyone's just okay with it. It's just yeah. kids being kids. Oh, fuck off with that. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah. Yeah, that really annoyed me. But I like the fact that Alex and Darby and Ollie turn around and are, well, it doesn't sound like it was really your fault. And that situation will not make you a bad person. Yeah. You aren't a bad person for it. Because all you did was cut somebody's hair, which she later then paid for a fabulous haircut for them. Right. And you didn't jump into the water to save your friend, but somebody else did. And also you, you were like completely shit-faced drunk. She was wankered. So... Yeah, I can kind of understand it. Yeah. I don't understand why adults blamed her. I don't either. I think it might be a race thing, but... Well, she is half Hawaiian, half black. Yeah. So... I don't know. I don't know. It was not a good situation. No, not at all. Not at all. But at least her friends in Nebraska support her. Yeah. And she's got a cute boyfriend, and he takes care of her, and she's got her grandma, who takes care of her. Yes. She's better off. Another set of asshole parents. God damn, why can't book book parents be nice? But at least she's got the support mechanism in, in her grandma. Yeah. So thank goodness for that. Yeah, really. And the fact that the grandma knows that her mother is a narcissist. Yes. She's like, yeah, I know my daughter's shitty. I know it. I'm sorry. You got me. Let's do a puzzle. (laughs) Oh, you were the puzzles with the grandma. I know, it's so so cute. It's so cute. I really like Chris as well. Yeah. Like, I felt sorry for him having to be this brother-parent figure and the awkward conversation of, are you being safe? I'm talking about sex. Yes. <laughs> no. Like, that's fine. Stop it. That's fine. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> I know you weren't sleeping on the floor, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to talk about the movie now or shall we finish off our book conversation? I mean, really the only thing that we have left is surprises. 
Because, I mean, we both clearly love Ollie and Grandma. You know, they're the best. Clear. They're the MVPs. Definitely. Do you know, would you know what I was surprised by? What? That Alex died. Yes! And also, I... you know, like, you think, okay, well, Alex is dead. Yikes. That's terrible. And then they go chasing off after David. And then Darby dies. And then Ollie dies. But they came back. Like, why couldn't Alex have still been alive? Just just put her head back on. Just put her I'm head sure back she'll on. Be she'll fine. be fine. Just a little bit of, you know, antiseptic cream, some band-aids. Yeah. She'll be okay. Yeah. No, she she's zombie. <sighs> I hate that she died though. I mean I it somebody had to. It and I guess really well. I guess if everyone, if somebody had to die, I guess I'm glad that it was Alex. But I thought it was done really well because the description of Alex having her head mostly severed off and her vertebrae exposed. Yes. Graphic. Oh Ooh. my god. What the hell was going on in that scrum? Um, <laughs> but then it makes you, it convinces you that Darby and Ollie are dead. Yes. If if it wasn't for the fact that Alex was so graphically killed and described, I would be like, ah, they're fine. They're all fine. Yeah. But because of that, I was, yeah, Darby's gone. Yeah, yeah. Ollie's gone. And then when Darby comes running in with that four-cart skeleton and twats, David across the head. Yes. I think I was like screaming, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do same you, same. Do you know what's same awkward? Surprise. Do you know what's awkward? Conversations with your grandma about sex. Yes. But not that. Oh. So Alex has just had her head you know, she's she's nearly headless Alex. Mm. And then they take off tearing through the cornfields. And they just leave Rosemary there like, hey, can you call the police and take care of this? We're going to leave our headless friend with you. Sort that, will you? You just you take sort care that. of that. I'm kind of sad that that Rosemary, I know that she had been injured, but I'm sad that she didn't like jump on a horse and chase him down through the cornfields. <laughs> Well, she's got Alex's headless ghost to deal with now. That's right. That's right. Okay. But at least she did pitchfork David. Yeah. Ryan. She's like, uh-uh, this kid is not going to kill me. And she goes after him with a pitchfork. I really like that. I was like, yes, pick up the pitchfork. Yes, yeah. you, you are. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Right. Suitable distance. Stab that morpho. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That was yes, a good I scene. I did appreciate that. That I was a good scene. I appreciate that a lot. Do you know what, though? It wasn't in the movie. No. The movie... we I texted you after I watched it. Yeah. So you watched it before I, I did. I did, yes. Well, the night before, so not that much. Really. Right, just a few hours before, really. And I remember you saying to me, what did you think? I said, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It is not the book. But I no. think the term I used was they moxied it. You did. You did. And I said exactly they moxied it, like within all capital letters with exclamation marks. Yeah. 
because if you listened to our Moxie episode, um, we love that book. Yes. But the movie isn't great. No. It's got the essence of it. It's got right. the heart of it. Yes. What what it's trying to tell you. Um, but the movie <laughs> wasn't for me. I enjoyed the movie of There's Someone Inside Your House. Mm-hmm. I thought the yes. casting was excellent. Yes. Um, I liked the slasher gore to it. Yes. The first scene. With the heels. Yeah. Oh. I was very shocked, though, that it started out with a football bro. Yes. Getting murdered. Where was Haley? Yeah. Where is Haley? I thought this was, you know, the drama girl getting it. But no, it was a football bro. And I thought, well, that's going to be interesting. The the gender swapped a few people. Like the Caleb, Caleb's character. They, well, they're not, it, yeah, they sort of gender swapped, but they didn't. No, like Caleb was, Caleb was in the book, but Caleb was like the preachy preacher's son and the band guy and like gets viciously murdered right and um zach was in yes and rodrigo was in but zach and rodrigo were in their friend their friend group and that was weird because in you know in the book it's just makani and darby and alex and that's it and then ollie comes in when they realize you know that he's a dick swinging puzzle hero dick swinging puzzle (laughs) (laughs) and then it's just them but like the movie they were kind of terrible to ollie for almost the whole thing yeah i didn't like that um i kind of actually got scared that they were going to change it so much and that ollie was going to be the bad guy yeah i i was expecting that to happen um Firstly, devastated that Ollie didn't have the pink hair. I know! I was devastated by that. McCartney treats Ollie like shit. Yes! That upset me because it, she just wanted to keep the entire relationship secret. She didn't want to acknowledge him in any way, yeah, shape or form. Yeah, like she was embarrassed of him. Yes, but at least in the book, Darby and Alex know that she likes Ollie. They're yeah, they don't necessarily agree with it, right, but... Yeah. But that was odd. Didn't yeah. like that. Caleb, like you said, was now a, jo- a gay jock who joins the group. Yeah, which that was but cute. In, which was cute. I like that. And in the place, the religious person was a girl who was a Nazi. Yes. But then also Zach's dad was like... The evil corn baron and was, was a Nazi. Was a Nazi. And buying up all the corn farms. Yeah, he actually had a dad in this rather than just being a stoner who lives with his mom and his mom to lose a boyfriend. But he definitely was a stoner. They kept that bit in, and he turned all the Nazi paraphernalia into bongs. <laughs> Which was hilarious. Was. <laughs> that was really, really funny. Yeah. And Rodriguez was hooked on painkillers. And not some kind of like gaming app, um, super genius. Yeah, who trolled women on the internet. Yeah, that was 
that was interesting as well. And they, they kind of changed, I mean, didn't kind of, they changed the whole, like, plot behind the killings. It wasn't these super overachievers. It was people who had secrets. Yeah. Well, that's it. He found, I mean, Makani's was not exactly secret. It was a literal Google search away. Well, you had to know her name. You could just Makani Hawaii and I'm sure it would have come up straight away. Well, yeah, that's what Ollie did. Exactly. In both I mean, the book cha- and the movie. Yeah, they changed her surname as well in the in the movie too. They did, we, which I didn't... Wu Sun? Yeah, something. Sun, Sun Wu, I think. I can't remember. Um, Randomly. That was... Yeah, why? Why couldn't it have been a Hawaiian last name? I don't understand that like, that's a cool that's a cool name to say if I even said it right if I I don't remember how it was spelled but that it was questionable yeah, yeah. but I it was like still that. but it was still good the movie was still good it had its own strengths that were separate from the book and they yeah. were both they're both very entertaining Chris and Grandma Young were underutilized and made dumber yeah like, Grandma Young was made a lot more frail in the movie than she is in the book. Yeah, she was ancient. Yeah, I can imagine she's like... She, Grandma Young literally threw herself into a fight. And Yeah, and it, it almost seems like her sleepwalking in the movie was made to be like, oh, she's, you know, sundowning and getting dementia or something. It it was definitely some kind of onset degenerative disease rather than like Just sleepwalking. Sleepwalking. <laughs> yeah. Do you know who I thought was funny? Who? David the Uber guy. He was literally the only David mentioned. He was completely random and I was wondering, did they put somebody random in called David who has access to everybody as a red herring? For people who've read the book, yes. Thinking, oh, that must be David Ware. He's the murderer. But no, it's not because it was Zach. Yeah. Spoiler you alert! It, you could tell it was Zach though because of the build. Like throughout the book, this is an interesting part of the book. They they attribute Ollie is like the main person at, at most points because he's the creepy loner. Yeah. But a lot of the time they say, oh, it's the parents. It could be a secret boy. You know, the speculation is wife could be a secret girlfriend, a love triangle. Yeah. And they give as much credit to females as they do males or, you know, non-binary. Or, you know, Darby is trans, which is wonderful to see the amount of representation. In yes, books. yes. That's something else that I want to come back to. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that one. And so they, they kind of like make this this androgynous hooded killer. Yeah. But in the movie, it is quite clearly a tall, live male. Yes. So it's easy to tell who it is. Two things that I loved about the movie. Darby just being non-binary and the character that, I mean, the actor that plays Darby is also non-binary. And I thought that was Jesse really great. Latourette. Yes, I read, looking for background info, I read something that Jesse said about how, like, hey, 
I read this book and it was a trans person and then they changed the script to non-binary and I was like, hey, that's me. And then the, and then they were cast and it was just really like it was really super cute. I thought that was fantastic. That aside, representation aside, which is wonderful and I love that it's happening and, and I hope it happens more and more and more forever. But I really thought the 3D printed masks oh. of the face of the person you're killing was yikes fantastic. I love that. It was creepy AF. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that one. That was creepy. I loved it. Yeah. But I like that, that Zach, as, you know, he's being foiled at the end. He's like, do you know how long it took to 3D print those things? <laughs> there was a lot of setup. You ruined everything. <laughs> I had an entire monologue to say to my father before I murdered him with a freaking samurai sword up through the jaw into yeah. the head out yes. the skull. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That dad needed yeah. to die though. Oh my god, he was a prick. I, I enjoyed the fact that they retained that slasher-esque gratuitousness, but it wasn't like it wasn't like watching Hostel or like a, a right. you know, that kind of horror movie it was gory for the sake of it needing to just hit that right mark yeah and it it still it kind of had that reminiscence of 90s slasher movies yeah yeah which the book embodies perfectly for me right what i thought was the beginning of the book feels like scream it's the beginning of scream with drew barrymore yeah getting on the phone snacks blah 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 the beginning of the movie was i know what you did last summer Because it's all about the secrets. Yes. And it's pointing out, I know you did this. You're an asshole. You're going to die. But do you know what else? There was like an actual purposeful callback to Scream in the movie where they hanged the girl and all of her guts were out. Yeah. Like that's what happened to Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore probably wasn't a Nazi though. No, no. As soon as... That character was 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 that supposed to be Katie? I don't know her name. Or Haley? I don't remember. I can't remember. Anyway, she she stands up after the first murder in in <gasps> the the restaurant, the school restaurant. The cafeteria and is the word that we use. Cafeteria is the in... word I was looking for. Yes, the school restaurant. <laughs> I was going to say refectory because some places got school calls and refectory. Well, you call oh. it a canteen canteen yeah whichever the school whatever restaurant you, whatever's an appropriate terminology for the it's... educational establishment which you may frequent or frequented anywho um when she stands up on the table and she's like i'm gonna read an excerpt from my essay to cornell university and then totally ignores the person who's just been murdered and then turns it all about how she's wonderful towards the outed trans person in their school and how absolutely brave Darby is for being your authentic self. And yes. she's so condescending the way that she does it. Mm, and Darby's just, just like, like, no, stop it. Oh my cringe, God. Cringe, stop cringe, it. cringe, die. And I'm like, 
can the killer just come and slash her right just now? Just kill her right now. Just get it over with. So her scene in the church when they're putting out the memorial pamphlets and you're like, <laughs> that's not your mate up there. And then it isn't her mate up there. It is the killer. I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know the bit. She's she's just she's just had a gut slashed yes. at the door. And then we'll cut back to like McCartney, I think, and then we'll go back to the uh, the church. Yes. And then you see this blood stream on the floor, the drag marks. Yeah. And it's clearly underneath the pew the the, the pews. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, wow, that killer's really doing a lot of attention to detail of dragging them underneath the pew. Oh no, she's crawling. No, she's crawling. <laughs> and he's Colin just... was decking himself when I was like doing a good job he's really going a bit extra <laughs> yeah did he like put a noose on and you know just drag her well that's what, I don't know why, that's what i was thinking and as soon as she ran into the confessional i was like well you're not gonna be safe in there nobody's safe in a confessional no Stupid what are you bit. thinking and then she gets a knife mouth <laughs> oh i'm so happy that she died because she's a fucking nazi yes and her Horrible. podcast that that Zach was playing aloud in the church like I eugenics and yeah it was a joke I was making fun of everyone it was satire it was just satire oh my god as she's talking the about it was different as well yes the hazing was Jasmine got burned McCann yeah. pushed her into the fire yeah it definitely seemed more-ish accidentally done in the movie with her face on fire. Yeah, I, they, were, they were properly out of it there again, and you know, it didn't look like there was with any intent. Um, however, in the books, Jasmine won't have anything to do with McCanny because oh my god, her hair got cut. Um, yeah, but at least in the movie, she calls her at the end and reaches out. Yes, and Jasmine answers the phone. Yeah. Yeah. And it was nice the little wrap up. You see McCartney and Ollie going to, to prom together. I assume yes. it's prom. I'm sure it was prom, yeah. 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 That and was Alex cool. gets into music college. And, and Darby to goes NASA. to NASA college, which is what space it seemed school. like, and that's Space School. I mean, come on. Don't we all want to go to space camp? Yeah. That Jacob and I kept laughing at NASA College. It's definitely NASA College. Definitely. NASA. I want to go to NASA College. Me too. But I like that Darby got into NASA College because it's probably really hard to do. Yeah. You got a little space stuff. Yeah. And they kept oh, that man. all the way through, like with Darby's whole aesthetic. Yes, wearing a little nerdy NASA jacket with the patches. And they were like looking up at the stars with a like Google star map. I thought that was really cute. I know, I have it too. It's excellent. It's wonderful. I loved it. So, yes, I really did enjoy the movie. If I was to say... The question we ask on the theme is which... Because this is a book club theme. Right, it is. It is, is because it's a brand new month. Yes. Watch the... Read the book, book, watch the the movie. movie. Yes. And then compare. Yes. And then which one did you enjoy better? I enjoyed the book better, but purely because I know and am established who the murderer is early on. Yeah. And I enjoyed that tense 
thriller psychological horror aspect to it. And I didn't like the way McCartney treated Ollie in the movie. And I hated hated Alex and Darby's vehemence that Ollie was the murderer. Especially Alex was, I know, he killed Rodrigo. He was at the party. He did it. Yeah. Uh, Everybody was at the party. Right. So, yeah. But I did love, I did love in the movie that Makani turns around and shuts Alex down. Like, you fucking hate everyone, don't you? And then she gets up and leaves. Like, yeah, I did enjoy that. Um, I don't know. I really, I enjoyed both of them separately because, like, 90s, 90s slasher movies are pretty much my favorite. Yeah. So having this killer with the 3D printed face masks, I thought that was super awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, it felt like it was a Netflix movie. It wasn't, like, so spectacular. But I thought it was really good. And then the movie, I mean, and then the book was also very good. And they were different enough that like you can you can separate them and you're not like oh that's not how they did it in the book because they changed you know pretty much everything in the movie yeah i i i I was sitting there and watching it with my husband and i went that's not how it begins it's a woman that gets killed i know i was doing the same thing to jacob i was like "Ah." and he's like at the end, I went, you really should read the book. He went, I don't need to, because you've basically told me it all. I went, no, I didn't tell you who the killer is, though. I haven't given you that salient piece of information, yeah. and I haven't told you all the graphic details of all of the murders. So you need to read the book. And he has no excuse. I have the ebook of it, so he can read it. It's there. Yeah. He's sitting on his own e-reader. So he can read it, and there'll be a quick read from it. I think he'll enjoy it. Um, but yeah, they are very different stories, really. And they're great. Both of them. Very enjoyable. We need to set up a fictional hangover theatre 3000. We do, and we need to watch this together. For sure. All of us. It'll be super great. Do you know what else we need to do? Play Would You Rather. This episode's a hundred years long. We asked on social media, would you rather chase a serial killer through a grocery store or a corn maze? Unsurprisingly, grocery store won throughout. 86% on Facebook, 89% on Instagram, 100% on Twitter, and 57% on TikTok. It was close on TikTok. It was very close. It was closer on TikTok than anywhere else. And we have loads of comments. We really do. Settling, folks. We're going to read them. Yes. At Headzilla on Twitter said, Grocery store. There's less chance of the killer getting me all turned around and chasing me if I'm running around the local Sainsbury's. Plus, there's all sorts of nice weapons for me to pick up to defend myself with. At Hermione Simpson on Twitter said, Definitely a grocery store slash supermarket because although you're chasing a serial killer, I can picture some hot fuzz sort of moments while doing it. (laughs) I love hot fuzz. Hot Fuzz is amazing. It is. Yeah. Can we watch that too? Yes. Yes, I insist. Okay. 
Michelle on Facebook said, grocery store for sure. I wouldn't feel as claustrophobic and I'd be able to have sustenance in the event that I became weak from too much chasing or injury. Plus, there are at least some medical supplies at a grocery store. You can never be too careful when a serial killer's chasing. <laughs> Dakota on Facebook said, I work in a grocery store and can navigate well in the front and back. If I'm chasing someone to catch them, I want less of a chance that they can catch me, like in a corn maze. Plus, I know how to work all the dangerous equipment, cardboard baler, fryer, ovens, etc. Or I could lock them in a freezer and wait for the police to arrive. Dakota has planned this, everyone. Yes. Dakota, Dakota has planned what is going to happen. <laughs> Dakota has a zombie apocalypse plan. Yes. And a serial killer on the grocery store plan. Yeah. And well, probably an alien invasion plan. Probably so. Annie on Facebook said, Grocery store, I know my way around. And you can find weapons, bowls and briskets, canned goods, bottles of hot sauce. Yes. Constance on Facebook said, Grocery store, if I can't find my mother in there, then there's no way a killer can find me. <laughs> I don't know if that's a commentary on Constance or the serial killer. Or Constance's mom. Yeah, true. Peter on Facebook said corn maze so I could blast the killer with my corn cannon. Note, I do not own a corn cannon. I don't even go around slapping people. <laughs> Satire. <laughs> <laughs> Bree Tart on Instagram said grocery store. At least there's more chance I can escape the maze of aisles than both me and the killer getting stuck in the corn together. Steph Ink Creations on Instagram said, Deaf grocery store. Less chance to get turned around. Plus, easier to stay quiet. Mmm, yes. Dragonheart9955 on Instagram said, Grocery store for sure. Less chance of getting lost and tons of makeshift weapons if I need them. Plus, corn mazes are just plain creepy in my opinion. Arietta Charles on Instagram said, Corn maze, wouldn't someone have to clean up the grocery store and who would want to shop thereafter? I wouldn't stick around to do either. You are so kind. That is really generous. <laughs> California B on Instagram said, Corn mazes terrify me. Grocery stores contain improvised weapons and phones. No contest. Luke on TikTok said, Grocery store. If he has a machete or something, he can spice down the corn and see me. Whereas the grocery store are shelves and I can shove onto them. Mmm, just knock the shelves over. It's <laughs> a good plan. Depends on the grocery store, I suppose. Okay, so that was a really good comment from TikTok. But there's a full-on conversation that I had with someone on TikTok. So... Claire, you, you be hot potato four two zero six nine four. Okay, I'm getting character. Four twenty sixty nine four. Hot potato, hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. Yes, you be hot potato, and I'll be fictional hangover. Are they armed, and how large are they? They're armed with a knife, and average size. Hmm. Do I get a knife? Only if you can take it from the serial killer. How skilled are they with said knife? They have several victims already and haven't gotten caught. Ah, okay. Corn maze. 
<laughs> what? What made you pick corn maze from that conversation? I freaking love that comment. Me too. Hot potato it's for so six four nine is amazing. So good. Oh, I love it. So, what are you gonna do? As much as I want to pick corn maze. Because I feel like there's a gr- potentially a greater chance of escaping. Because you, there's a 360. Multi- there's got to be multiple exits from the maze, too. Well, it's not just that. Corn is easily moved. Yeah, you could just run in the middle of it. Exactly. I mean, I've been in a corn maze. They are mm-hmm. terrifying places. Mm-hmm. Especially when it was raining when I was in it. Um, <laughs> I was not wearing appropriate footwear or coat. Um, but they are creepy. They are creepy. And I think I have to go with the grocery store just because of the armament availability. You know, yeah. hairspray, hot sauce, canned goods. Go down the knife aisle. I'm Push now, the aisles over. Trolleys. Yes. We know from Hot Fuzz you can run into someone with a exactly. cart and take them out. Hot Fuzz is not entertainment. It's an education. It is. I'm also going to go with grocery store, um, not just because of all those excellent reasons that we just mentioned, but I feel like if I was in a corn maze, I'd probably start sneezing and then the killer could find me. Yes. At least if in the grocery store, you've got antihistamines. Yes. And also, if I were able to escape the corn maze, like, what's around me? Just more corn. But if I am able to escape the grocery store... You know, there's probably another business or more people around. There's nooks and crannies as well. You've got staff areas. It's like what Dakota was saying. You know, there's the oven areas, the the, the freezer, the walk-in freezers in supermarkets. Yeah. Oh, huge. Yeah. The grocery mm-hmm. store is the way to go. Yeah. My only concern is slippery floors. You know, also, what if you're wearing tennis shoes and your tennis shoes squeak on the floor? Oh, my God. My converse the other day in the shops, like, were literally going, eh, 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 eh. It yeah. was so embarrassing. Yeah. But equally, you don't want to be in heels. No. No. Definitely. Still grocery store. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not talking myself out. Right. Yeah. Okay. Next question. <laughs> Would you rather talk to your grandma? About sexy time stuff, or your brother, who is also your parent? Parent figure. He's not really your parent. <laughs> oh, mm, I was going to say, are we talking Grandma Young versus Chris, or are we talking about my nana versus my brother? Which makes it uh, worse? I'm going to pick Grandma both of the times. Oh, okay. Because my nana was cool. I mean, she probably would have tufted and clucked, but she would have laughed at us and then hit us with a newspaper. Yeah. And Grandma Young seemed sensible about it. And I can imagine she, it turns into one of those horrible conversations of going, well, when you and your grandpa was alive. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh, no, no. no. And then no, you're putting no. puzzle pieces into your ears. Yes. Yeah. I pick Grandma as well. I do. I pick Grandma as well because... 
I don't know. I feel like, you know, you're closer in age to your sibling. And so it's just, it's weird. Like, they could also be having sex at the same time. You know? And it's just, that's a a weird conversation to have. So I also pick grandma. Yeah. Cool. Also, kind of, because if I'm thinking of my own family, both of, uh, uh, all of my grandparents uh, have passed on. So I could just, you know, just tell them, like, hey, talking to your spirit. Yeah. But what gets freaky is it's like, don't look. I'm going to get my sexy time on now. Yeah. Go away. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe we should stop thinking about that. What I'm thinking about is, would you rather have pink hair or play in a marching band? I've already had pink hair before, and I can't play an instrument to save my life, so I'm picking pink hair. That's fine. (laughs) I'm picking pink hair as well. Might as well funk this hairstyle up. Yes. I do have a pink wig somewhere. Me too. That does not surprise me. No. Doesn't surprise anyone. Would you rather have bitch, cunt, whore, nympho, or slut on your forehead? I have said this multiple times. Bitch is on there somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I have said before that cunt is my favorite cuss word, so... Do like cunt? It have to be cunt or bitch, because I'm not. I mean, those other things just don't even apply. No. I think I, I like bitch just because there's levels. Bitch levels. Radiance is a spectrum. Yes. Bitch. Yeah. Would you rather be in the book or the movie? Yikes. I'm going to go with the movie because all of the friends survive and have a happy ending. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I don't have that secret sorted past. So I'm not going to be a target. True. Yeah. Same. But are you an overachiever? Are you a SWAT? You used it correctly. Well done. Oh, I am good. a SWAT. I am a SWAT in terms of I will study to pass my exams and what I will do is I'm told educationally wise and complete my assignments. But Sound like an overachiever to me. What? Just doing as I'm told and getting <laughs> yeah. grades? Yeah. <laughs> I call it bare essentials. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I try. I do try my best. I do want to achieve more. And I do like to push myself, but not to the extent that the people in the books are. I'm not a varsity some team diver. You're not the um, rodeo queen. I'm not a thespian. I'm not a rodeo queen. I'm not a jock. You know, um, if anybody, I would be Katie applying to the colleges. Yeah. That's probably the person I would relate most to. Or David, the nothing guy. Oh, David, the North- I am the serial killer. But yeah, movie, because I don't have the secrets, so I wouldn't be a target. 
Yeah. <laughs> Boom, free pass. Nice. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Favourite final flat quote? I've got three. Okay. Arduous deers required scrupulous planning. Hmm. Directness like this was rare. Admirable, even. Oh, at last. And my favourite, because this week it applies. It's been such a shitty day. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. I've got three, also. And I said this one during the episode. I wasn't about to be killed by a pathetic boy with a stupid knife. (laughs) A berserk teenage boy broke into your house and tried to stab you to death. Get some fucking perspective. (laughs) And then this one is heartwarming. Everybody has at least one moment they deeply regret. But that one moment... It doesn't define all of you. But also, get some fucking perspective. (laughs) I like that one better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a shitty day. Get some fucking perspective. (laughs) Yes. If you liked this, try this. Question mark? Question mark? I am going to recommend a book that hasn't even come out yet. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for this one. Oh my gosh. Oh yes. Please see episode 108, Clown in a Cornfield, for the summary. Because in September, Clown in a Cornfield 2, Fredo Lives by Adam Cesar is coming out. I am ridiculously excited for this one. I adored the first one. It is a 90s or to slasher movies. Yes. It was brilliant. And the audiobook read by Jesse Velinsky was mwah, Chef's Kiss. Yes. So yes. the summary from Amazon. After barely making it out of Kettle Springs Cornfields alive, Quinn's first year away at college should be safe and easy. All she wants is to be normal again. But instead, Quinn finds that her past won't leave her alone when she becomes the focus of online conspiracy theories that claim the Kettle Springs massacre never happened. It's a deranged but relentless fantasy, and there's nothing Quinn can do to get people to hear the truth, not even her own campus or her own dorm room. So when a murderous clown attacks Quinn at a frat party, while another goes after her father in Kettle Springs at the same time, Quinn realises that the facts alone are never going to save her. Her only option is to go back into the cornfields. <gasps> back where the nightmare began. No. To set the record straight, the only way she knows how. Because when the truth gets lost in the lies, that's when people start to die. No! Oh my god, it sounds so good. Um, it yes. sounds like it's gone from small town cornfield slasher to college campus slasher. Yes, and that is the <sighs> natural progression of the 90s horror movies. I want Adam Cesare to write a summer camp Oh, horror. yes. How sweet would that be? That would be fantastic. <sighs> but I can't wait okay. for this one. Can't wait Down for it. September. I know. Go on Goodreads. Pre-order where you can. 
Yes. What have you got? Okay, so I thought about suggesting The Woods Are Always Watching. But mm-hmm. I think I've suggested that before. Well, you've just done it now, so you're fine. <laughs> right, and and I already talked about it earlier in the episode, and it's a ton of fun. So go read that one. But then I decided, no, Amanda, pick something else. And so I did. I picked something else, and I haven't read it. It's called Truly Madly Deadly. And, you know, I went for a tenuous link, a hashtag tenuous link. This is by Hannah Jane. They said it was an accident. Sawyer Dodd is a star athlete. Hashtag tenuous link. A straight-A student. Hashtag tenuous link. And the envy of every other girl who wants to date Kevin Anderson. When Kevin dies in a tragic car crash, hashtag tenuous link, Sawyer is stunned. Then she opens her locker to find a note. You're welcome. Someone saw what he did to her. Someone knows that Sawyer and Kevin weren't the perfect couple they seemed to be. And that someone, the killer, is now shadowing Sawyer's every move. Truly madly deadly. Doesn't that sound like fun? That sounds like fun. Yeah. (sighs) Excellent recommendations. Yes. Do we have an indie spotlight? Yes, and it has an even more tenuous link. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. This one is called Chasing Fireflies by Chloe Fowler. Rainy Collins has heard this a thousand times, but when it comes to her sister Maverick, who was born with a serious heart defect, the reason has always been a mystery. The idea of a future without her sister terrifies Rainy so much. She hasn't even thought about life after high school. However, on the first day of senior year, Rainey ends up sitting next to Liam Hayes, a rumored delinquent with a dangerously dysfunctional family, hashtag tenuous link, rumored delinquent. Convinced that people shouldn't be judged by their relatives or by the price tag on their clothes, Rainey slowly begins to breach Liam's defenses and finds herself wondering if some dreams and some futures are worth the risk. Ollie is worth the risk. So probably <laughs> Liam is too. <laughs> Hashtag tenuous link. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's it. <laughs> that's it for this episode of Fictional Hangover. Thank you everyone for staying until the end. <laughs> I feel like this one is a hundred years long. Good job, everyone. <laughs> I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire. Join us next time as we discuss another one that fits our theme in every generation by Kendara Blake. With Kendara Blake, she's going to be back. We love Kendara. Look out for our Would You Rather polls on social media. Don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on Facebook. Be sure to visit our shop on Redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover-themed merchandise. And become a patron of ours on Patreon at patreon.com slash fictionalhangover. Until next time, remember, the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book. 
You can find us at fictionalhangover.com. Follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others and rate, review and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.